Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. If, if you were with us last time, there were a few takeaways I wanted you to have after the last lesson, the introductory lesson. That was number one. Wow, that was a lot of stuff. And if you remembered that and if you thought that, you were exactly where you needed to be. Because Joseph has been through the ringer in this family. It's an incredibly complicated and complex kind of a family. And there's just so much dysfunction every which way you go. And, uh, you know, trying to keep up with the moms and the concubines and the kids and, and, and the, the murders and the incest and... Just, you know, you just name it, and it's happening in this family somehow, some way. So I wanted you to take that away. I also wanted you to take this away. Romans 8, 28. In all things, God works. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works in all things. It's important for us to understand as we study God's word, not just to pick out the characters or not just get lost in all these intrigues and these these difficulties that people face and and start sinking down into an idea of it's just a, a hopeless situation. I want you to understand that God is working. No matter the mess we make of things, God is working. And there is always hope in human hopelessness. I've talked to you, uh, I think, uh, maybe an illustration or two uh, of, uh, out of a book I have, and it says, uh, the situation is hopeless, but not serious. That's, that's our human condition. I think it's aptly a, a title of our human condition. Our, our, our condition in this earth is hopeless, but it's not serious. And the only reason it's not serious is because God has provided. God has provided a way of hope. And those are the two main things I wanted you to take away from last lesson. Now, there were gobs of other things that you could take away. But tonight, I want us to, to look at basically the first 12, 16 verses of this chapter. I'm going to cut it up because there are some things I want to pull out. And then we're going to talk about some things that I think God can help us with in, in problems with the family. 
it starts in verse 1 and it says, Jacob lived in a land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and brought their father or their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, that's Jacob, Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he had been born in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. We'll stop right there. Uh, In chapter 37, it it starts with an account of Jacob, but... The account of Jacob is going to include the, the, the children, some of the children of Jacob. And Joseph is where we're kindly focusing uh, our, our attention. Joseph came from a... He had seen, let's just put it this way, he had seen the ugly, seamy side of a family. I mean, you think about all the things he had seen He was from a family that was very large, 12 children. He was from a family that was prosperous materially. They could basically have what they needed. All their needs were met. They weren't, you know, trying to scrape by. But they had some major problems. Two big problems in tonight's lesson Number one is a father's favoritism. A father's favoritism. You've probably heard this before, but when when the scripture says, verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other sons, you know that's that's just a, a recipe for problems. A major recipe for problems. Was that a right thing to do on Jacob's part? No, it was not. I've heard people try to try to uh, tap dance around this and say, well, it was okay for him to do that. No, it was not okay for him to do that. That was wrong of him to try to do that. Why did he do it? Because he was born in his old age. Okay, now why in the world it didn't say Benjamin was born in his old age? Because he was, he was born in his older age, actually, than Joseph. But we're talking about Joseph right here. If you don't look here, uh, chapter 47, verse 28, says that uh, Jacob died at 147. Okay, so he's going to die at 147. He is born around 90 or 91 years old. Okay? Joseph is born when Jacob is about 91 years old. So he is actually about 108 now. But he's talking about Joseph being born when he was around 91 years old. Now you know, as good and well as I do, when you've got a 
big, big family, okay? My dad came from, from 10 children. He's the youngest of 10 children. And I'm not about to say that my dad favored this at all, but, you know, when, when you're talking about very large families, you're always talking about the babies of the family, you know? The babies of the family. The older, the older siblings say things like this. He gets away with murder. When I was born, I never got to do the things that he got to do. And you just go on and on and you hear those kinds of things. You know, everybody loves the baby of the family. It's the baby. You know, and the sad part about it is sometimes you treat them like a baby when they're 40 and 50s, but, but you know, they're the baby of the family. They'll always be the baby of the family. Added on that, he was born through the wife that Jacob absolutely just bowled over loved, Rachel. He is the son of Rachel. Remember, uh, Joseph and Benjamin are the only children of Rachel, and they're the last two. So there was something special about this child. You know, the older, the older guys, you know, they're off doing their own things and they're, they're with their buds and all that stuff. And you got these little ones coming around. Maybe Benjamin wasn't old enough yet. I don't know exactly how old Benjamin is at this point. But, but you're looking at, at this and Joseph, you know, uh, older man, he's, he's taking him around, showing him off and doing different things here and there. And the older ones are, are, are gone doing doing their own thing, working and, and stuff like that. So the dad, how do we know that he had special favor for him? Well, it says it in the text, verse 3, but it also says in verse 3 that he gave him a richly ornamented robe or, a, or coat. And we've heard about this, you know, Joseph and his you know, amazing technicolor dream coat and all that stuff. So his favoritism was expressed with a gift. And he made this or had it made for Joseph. And it seems as though, it seems as though he enjoyed wearing it. Because later on when the brothers who are, who are gone off, uh, you know, with the grazing of sheep, see him from afar off, they see him because of that coat. So he's wearing this coat around, you know, and, and I automatically thought about that, that time, you know, when you, we didn't have, I, was, I came from a very small town, so we didn't have football. We didn't have enough people to, to man a football team, okay? So we were in basketball, and everything was basketball. And, and, and you, just, you just live for basketball and all that stuff. And, you know, it's, it's in the winter months, you know, and, and, it's, and it's cold and all that stuff. But you don't get your letter jacket until May. So guess what? You sat there and sweated because you are going to wear that jacket when you get it, right? I mean, you're going to get the jacket. It's a thick jacket. And you put that thing on, and in two seconds, it's, it's just pouring off of you. But you are going to wear the jacket because it means something. It means something, and it says something uh, about, about stuff. So he wore his jacket. And the weird part about it is you, you ask the question, why this hostility about a, 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 a dingy coat? 
You know, why is all this hostility going? I can understand. You know, brothers might be a little peeved. I didn't get a coat. He got a coat, you know. But he's the baby, you know. And they'd make excuses and all that. But they didn't do that. It wasn't a, it was a, wasn't a thing like, like the parents take one of the children to the mall and the other children kind of get jealous. But, you know, the, the, they finally deal with it and understand that, well, okay, it's his turn to tell. I'll go next time, maybe. I'll get some stuff next time when, they, when we go to the mall or whatever it is. But there was something more than just the coat going on here. There was something more. This was not only a display of a father's affection. A lot of people have said, well, it was, must have been very expensive. This is a very material, prosperous family. I don't think the expense had anything to do with it. I really don't. I don't think that, that you know, uh, uh, well, he got, you know, Air Jordan shoes and I just got, you know, regular shoes, like that kind of thing. I don't think that was it at all. I don't think that was it at all. I think the coat set Joseph apart from everyone else. I really do. I think it set him apart from everybody else. Now, before, before you know, anybody raises their hand and says, yes, but I have heard that it's a long sleeve coat and not an ornamented coat. I got that. I understand that. I understand that there's, there's commentators that say, you know, you really have trouble, you know, understanding exactly what the proper translation is here. But it was a nice coat, whatever it was. Longer sleeved may have meant that it set him apart in that long sleeved coat things were for leaders who didn't do the menial work. Okay? The, the servants, the menial people had to have the short sleeve coats because they did the work. Whatever it was, ornamented, long sleeve, whatever it was, it was a sign of major affection for this person. It was a sign of leadership for this person. It was a sign of setting this person apart. And that was the beef. That was the beef of all of it, I think. Naturally, leadership would have gone to Reuben. But we already know what Reuben did. Reuben slept with Reuben. When I do this, that's you. When I, Reuben slept with who? Bilhah. That's exactly right. Who was the mother of? Reuben blew it. Reuben blew it. Firstborn. Secondborn. Thirdborn is Simeon and Levi. What did they do? Killed a bunch of people is exactly right. Wiped an entire town's male population out. I mean, can you imagine that? Don't, oh, don't just read over this junk. This is it's crazy. It's cra- not junk, you know what I mean. It, don't treat it like junk. That's what I was trying to say. 
but, but just don't read over it. It's important. It's, you've got to understand this thing. You've got to understand that this is so vitally important. So here he is, and he exempts him from all this stuff. So you've got these major guys, these firstborn people, just, just you know, ticking them off, making, making bad choices and all that. So, hey, maybe it's going to go to Joseph. And you, you see the progression, and you just think about the progression for a minute. You sit there and you sit there and say, you know, these, these guys and they look at that coat. I hate that coat. I just I, I hate that coat. You know, and then maybe the few more days he said, you know, he doesn't even button that coat right. He, he, he's not even wearing it right. If I, if I had that, I'd wear it a different way. And then it goes on to what? I hate him. I hate him. Over and over and over again. And the strange part about it is, and this is my little zinger, and I'll get right off of it. Do you realize that there's been more church splits over coats? than you could even name. Than you could even name. Just petty, ridiculous jealousy that happens. Jacob was unwise. Jacob showed poor judgment because his display of favoritism was so overt, so striking, so obvious that it was just in your face. Stop. Think about this just a minute as far as a lesson goes. Who should have known the destructiveness of favoritism? Jacob. Jacob. Think about it. Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. And it was obvious. It was obvious. So you sit there and think, Jacob would have said, that is not going to happen in my family because... It absolutely destroyed my relationship with Esau, my brother, for years. I will not do that. And here he is doing it. History repeats itself to a major destructive end. And I don't understand. I don't understand why. I mean, we... We do that so often. We do that so often. I could give you example after example of people who, who live in certain circumstances within their family and you would think once they got out of that environment that they would never go back to that again. And they marry people or they 
They start dating people who are exactly the same destructive environment that, that they left. It is so, so difficult. Let me say this. We cannot control the feelings and actions of other people. But God expects us to control our own feelings and actions. And that's what Jacob failed to do with his favoritism. Number two. Favoritism number one. Jealous hatred number two. Jealous hatred. There is a progression of hatred here. Let's, let's just uh, pick up with verse 4 and uh, read through verse 11. When his brothers saw that his father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream and when he told the brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to the dream I had. We were binding sheaves of corn out in the field when suddenly my sheave rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered round mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him even more because of the dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told his brothers, Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When, they, when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and, and I and your brothers actually come and bow down on the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. Now think about it just a minute. Did you see the progression? Did you see the progression? Uh, 4B, they hated him. And then they couldn't even speak a kind word to him. Probably a couple of names and choice words flew between them. When he told them the dream, what did they do? Verse 5, hated him all the more. Verse 8, after he told the dream, they hated him even more. And then he got another dream, and then it finally comes down and says, they were absolutely jealous of him. I want you to understand something very, very poignantly. This is not a, a, this is not a, a nuisance a superficial or marginally, I just don't like my brother. My brother's annoying. He's a pain in the neck. I just, I, we just fight all the time. It's not that. They have allowed their passion to, to be bound up in this hate. They've allowed passion to be bound up in their hate. And there were three basic factors for their jealousy, okay? Uh, I, I'm, I'm just talking about favoritism and jealousy, but I want to kindly unpack jealousy for just a minute. Three basic factors for this jealousy. Number one was this bad report. Uh, up in verse uh, 2, 
the end of verse 2, it says that he gave uh, his father a bad report about the brothers. Now, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Bilhah were Dan and Naphtali, answer to the question earlier on, and the sons of Zilpah are Gad and Asher. So Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, I don't know what they were doing, have no clue at all, but but Joseph is going and telling Dad that they're not doing something right that they're supposed to be doing. Okay, these are his half-brothers. There is absolutely nothing in the text that says that the, the motive was wrong, the motive was right, or the reason was wrong and the reason, reason was right. It doesn't really say, so let me just, let me just approach it both ways. Number one, if, if Joseph is just making this up, if Joseph is just making this up, trying to get back at them, I don't see that necessarily, but if he is, you go to Leviticus 19, verse 16, that says, do not go about spreading slander among your people. Proverbs 20, verse 19 says, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Joseph obviously talked too much, but whether he's talking right or not, we really, really do not know. There's a story, quick story I want to, I want to tell you. There was this rabbi by the name of Simon ben Gamaliel who were supposedly ordered his servant one day to go to the market and find the best thing in the market, buy it and bring it back home. So the servant came, you know, and he was so proud and, and, and the rabbi was surprised because when the servant came back, he was holding a tongue you know, like a cow tongue or something like that. Later on, the rabbi said, I want you to go to the market, and I want you to find the worst thing in the market that you will ever, ever see in the market. And the servant came back, and to the rabbi's greater surprise, he had a cow tongue. And the guy says, how in the world can that tongue be the best thing and the worst thing in the market? And the, the servant said, good master, don't you know that a tongue may be either the best or the worst thing in this world according to how the owner uses it? Very wise on the part of the servant. It's been said that the worth of a man depends on two small organs, his heart and his tongue. His heart and his tongue. So if Joseph is spreading something he's not supposed to be spreading, that could be part of the jealousy. But what if he is saying something truthfully that needed to be said? then it would be very legitimate. It would be very legitimate. And, you know, knowing some of his brothers, I'm kind of tending toward that. You know, maybe his brothers weren't that great. Maybe his brothers weren't doing like they're supposed to be doing. I remember a guy one time... He was just so happy that his brother was coming home from college. You know, there was quite a, quite a 
year gap spread on, on, these, on these brothers. And he, was, he always looked up to his brother and he thought everything was just great about his brother. And his brother was coming home from his college and uh, he was going to graduate that year. And, and the, the little brother came in and, and uh, he went out and, and uh, the brother was just, you know, fooled his dad and, and was saying, oh, I'm so happy to be home and I'm so this and this and everything's just great and everything's wonderful and rosy. And he went out and his little brother saw him away from dad. And he was in, let's just say, unacceptable dress with unacceptable manner, attitude, speech, and behavior to the nth degree. He said, I heard him tell stories that I had never heard before and did not want to hear any more about his college experiences. And he says, I went straight to dad. And the brother found out and did not like it. Well, that's part of it. That's just part of it. Regardless of how this happened, there was a bad report. Jealousy. Number two, you've got this coat thing going on. This coat thing going on. I don't know, you know, they, they, it's just so disproportionate to what he is. The coat, it's just so disproportionate. It's like, it's like would someone tell what's his name down there to pass a salt? You know, they won't even look at him. They won't even acknowledge him. You know, uh, tell what's his name that uh, 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 his donkey's loose and he needs to put it back in a barn. You know, it, it's, just, it's just so disproportionate from what's going on. The venom is just, just spewing out and they're having a very difficult time with it. And obviously it's the jealousy. And I don't care whether you try to hide it, whether you try to explain it away, whether you try to dress it up as something else. Jealousy is jealousy, and it'll always come out. And it will always, always start to fracture families. And you know these kinds of things happen because it starts with, you don't write anymore. You don't really call anymore. You don't talk anymore. Nothing is done in an interaction at all with a person anymore. And by the way, let me just say this. I hasten to say this. If any of us would tend to want to get on a spiritual high horse here, and look down in a condemning way with those people who find jealousy is difficult, let's just say that everyone at some point or another has a jealous bone in their body. When the baseball cap that says jealousy across it is passed around, I think that each of us would find that it fits rather well at times in our life. Jealousy is tough. Um, in, in, a, in a family, there's, there's, that, there's that rivalry of, of mom and dad's affections. A lot of times jealousy is over, over uh, within an area kind of a thing. I, doctors aren't jealous of athletes. 
you know, uh, preachers aren't jealous of deep sea fishermen, but even preachers and teachers are jealous of other preachers and teachers. It can happen very quickly without you really realizing it. So, you know, I've, I've been to these conferences, I've been to these workshops where, where people will actually, actually uh, you know, say things like, like, man, I really, I really uh, blew it out of the water last Sunday, and I got all kinds of compliments on my sermon, you know. Or, 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 uh, or somebody will walk into a, to a, to a place and they'll say, you know, you know, I, 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 was in, I was called by the committee and I was invited to, uh, to speak at this lectureship, and I want you to see my brochure, you know, and... and I, I am really sorry that, that your picture is so small here, but, but I, I, I like the way mine turned out here. You know. And you're sitting there going, they wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, they do. They do. It just really, really is, is, is it eats people up. Jealousy is like a gigantic monster that starts eating you up from the insides. It is so difficult because, and I love this quote from someone, jealousy destroys the jealous person, not the object of the envy. Quick story. The Greeks have this story about a a statue to a famous athlete. Okay, And it was put in a very prominent place in the city in this Greek city. This rival athlete, this colleague of this guy, was so jealous that he took a a hammer and chisel, and at night, under the cover of darkness, he would start chiseling away at the foundation. And little by little, you know, big chunks were starting to fall off of it. And over and over, over and over, he kept chiseling away, you know, until one night he, he, he kindly felt it kindly sway and he thought, I am so close now, I'm going to topple this thing and this guy will be a laughing stock. And he took back and he swung and he hit it and it fell on him and killed him. That's the end result of jealousy. That's the end result of jealousy. It eats the person, the jealous person, up from the insides. I think about what kind of a jail cell jealousy creates for us. And I think how difficult it is, and I had some great quotes here, but I think a a Bible illustration would go much farther. It takes more grace to play second fiddle well. It takes more grace to play second fiddle well. I think John the Baptist played it to a T. I'm not saying John the Baptist was perfect. In chapter 1, John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But at that point, people were still with John. He was still baptizing just, just gobs of people at the Jordan. But by chapter 3, by chapter 3, 
His disciples noticed that people were starting to leave him and going toward Jesus. He was losing his crowd. He was losing his appeal. They were starting to dwindle. And they said, what are you going to do about it? And in John 3, 27, he said, a man can only receive what is given him from above, from heaven. God had not made him the Messiah. He had made him the voice. He had not made him the word. He had made him the forerunner. He had not made him the king. He had made him the herald. And in verse 30 of that same chapter, he said, He must become greater and I must become less. Regardless of what area we have, we have to understand that God is the one who gives. I love this 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Please write that down. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. And read that. What do you have that you did not receive? Nothing. Then if you received it, why do you glory as if you didn't receive it? Everything we have been given, everything we've been given, we've been given by God. And, this, and then the third thing, I've got I've to go fast. The third thing for this jealousy thing, bad report, this, this crazy coat, and the third thing is the, the dreams. I mean, think about it just a minute. Most of the time you have a dream, you, you go sit around the breakfast table, you might tell people, if you remember your dream, you might tell people, they laugh it off, it's no big deal, you go on. It's no big deal. Most of the time, the more you dream, you know, you can tell if you've eaten a, a, a spicy sausage burrito that night, you'll have dreams that you know not of and visions and all this kind of thing going on. It was a bad error in judgment. I think that Joseph was telling him this thing. I don't know if it, was, if it was the manner in which he was doing it. I don't know if it was his attitude. I don't know if it was his tone. But somehow, some way, it just got their goat. And, and to, to sit there and say, you're going to be, you know, you know you're going to be uh, bowing down to me. You're going to be worshiping me. You're going to be ruling. You know, I'm ruling over you kind of thing. And, and even his dad got uh, mad and rebuked him. And it was interesting in the aftermath that the brothers were jealous and the dad kept it in his mind, verse 11. Uh, But beyond the favoritism, beyond the brothers' jealous hatred was God's providential care. And I wanted to to, uh, say this one thing. Someone once said, the providence of God is an act of his grace and kindness in which he uses his wisdom and power to preserve, govern, and direct the events of his creation. One of the things that we have to understand is when Jacob, and I don't have time to read this last part, but we're going to start in verse 12 next week. Uh, One thing that that you have to understand is when Jacob or Israel asked this boy to go look for his brothers, make sure they're well, and come back and report, he didn't know that he wasn't going to be seeing his son for the next 20 years. 
But regardless of what happened in all that aftermath, and we'll talk about that next week, God was working in those events. And God was going to be with Joseph. And God used Joseph's isolation from his home to fulfill his purpose. Oh my, there's just so much, so much on this, so much on favoritism, so much on, on jealousy. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for this story. We do not want to be caught up in these kinds of destructive things that hurt families, whether it is our own personal family or whether it is our church family. Please help us. Please be with us as we navigate through the relationships while we are on this earth. Help us to demonstrate your love, your guidance, your direction as we, as we uh, uh, interact with the people around us. So that each child in our family knows that they're loved, that they're cared for, that they are important uh, functioning people. In, uh, in the body and help us in the church in particular to, uh, to show your love and your support. Help us to be the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.